Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Arkansas Independence Podcast. I'm very excited about our guest today. I got Chris Jones with me. He is running for governor of our great state, the natural state. Chris, I got to tell you, I've been watching your campaign, your ads coming out. I'm following you on Twitter. You got a lot of energy. I just got to ask you, you seem like an extremely intelligent, capable, talented man. Why in the world are you uh, getting involved in politics? That's uh, funny, man. Uh, well, look, you know, I think um, I think most Arkansans, dare I say, all of us are uh, intelligent and capable. So, you know, we're we're in good company here, present company included. That's you too, man. Um, you know, let, let me let me first say thanks for having me on the show. No um, it's it's truly an honor, and what you're doing, getting the voice out, matters. Um, I met Bill Clinton when I was eight years old. Now, for quick context, my family, I'm the son of two preachers, so raised in in a missionary Baptist church, went to church on Sundays, Wednesdays, Saturdays, all of that, church choir, everything. And so the idea that there's, we were created to serve and we were created um, to help others was always embedded in me. Now, when I met Bill Clinton when I was eight years old, I was fascinated by him and I asked dad, what does he do? My dad. And uh, my dad said that he's a governor. And I said, well, what's a governor? And he said, go, let's go look it up. Uh, now, I must, I must say, Derek, we didn't have Zoom or Google yeah. or, <laughs> or telephones. So I had to go to the Encyclopedia Britannica, which is probably yeah. too, too old for you to remember. No, um, I do. I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I lived right through that switch of the, of the age from analog. Yeah. So, yeah, we still had some of those in the house, you know. There you go. Yeah, And I looked it up, man, and I found out that a governor could solve problems, which I love tinkering and solving problems, and could, more, more importantly, make a difference in people's lives and serve them. And I was like, I'm sold. So at eight years old, um, I felt I wanted to come back. Whatever I did in life, I wanted to come back and serve as governor of Arkansas. And now I'm blessed to, to be here in this moment, man. This is I'm a seventh-generation Arkansan, uh, so my family's been here for over 200 years. And I love this state, and I want to use every gift God gave me to help benefit Arkansas and the people of Arkansas. Well, that's awesome. I uh, I looked at your resume some, and uh, I'll I'll let you kind of talk about your resume a little bit because <laughs> not just you, but your wife has a very impressive back. Yeah. You guys are like a power yeah. couple. I was like, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, fill us in on that real quick. Give yeah, us man. your background a bit. Uh, well, like I said, I always loved science, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I grew up riding dirt bikes, eating honeysuckle, and fighting grasshoppers. But being out in in the natural state allowed me to just explore. So this idea of exploration was always embedded in me, and I and I really had a passion for space. Uh, I, I was in the third grade when the Challenger blew up, but that year we learned about space and we learned about science. Uh, so I had a passion for that, and I followed that, and I got a physics and math degree undergrad. And then I went to in Atlanta, and then I went to MIT and got a nuclear engineering degree and a technology and policy degree and a PhD in urban planning. <clears throat> so wow. what that means is I, I really looked at energy and the energy sector across the board. Um, and the urban planning helps me look at systems and how to solve problems for groups of people. But let me tell you, to your point, my wife's the real rock star. She makes me <laughs> look like a slacker. Yeah, tell um, me about her. Look, man, she uh, she she was raised in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, she is a biology major undergrad. She's a 
um, emergency room doc. Oh wow! So she got her 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 medical degree from Harvard, um, and she's a Air Force veteran. And she served in Afghanistan. I remember being over there, and you know, I, I want to to anyone who's listening who's a veteran or a spouse or family member who's a veteran. Thank you for your service. I remember her being gone. We missed birthday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, anniversary. She missed the death of her grandfather, who she was really close to, um, all to go serve her country. So, you know, my hat's off to anyone who serves. Uh, but she also was working at the finish line during the Boston Marathon bombing. Wow. She was literally working there. Yeah. And uh, and now she's state medical director for disaster preparedness. And Derek, she teaches an exercise class on top of all of that. <laughs> got to stay fit. You got to stay fit to yeah. take on everything she's taking on. But get this. I'll never take her class because it's too hard. She's too scary. <laughs> too scary. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, cool. I want you guys in the governor's mansion because just you two alone got a wealth of talent and just well experience. Yeah, that's great. So, well, you know, I'll tell you, it um, even even with all that experience, it only works if we all do it together, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there's there are no one or two people that can that can make that can address the issues we face. You know, like education, infrastructure, and economic development. Um, and take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of us. Like we need everyone at the table, uh, and that's what I'm excited about. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off into just getting into some next topics here, and yeah. I, um, you know, uh, your your both your parents were pastors. You said correct. Yeah, well, well both were uh, ministers. My mom, ministers, sorry, they both yeah. are ministers. My dad's a pastor now. He and he pastored a few different churches. My mom hasn't been a pastor, but she's always been a minister and a preacher and everything. Gotcha. So I'm curious about faith, you know, your faith. And yeah. I always love to ask people about their doctrine because I got to, I'm kind of lucky. I got to go to private school for half my education and public school for half. Oh, cool. I have both uh, experiences. The private school I went to was faith-based. Um, mm. But as a kid, I... Um, kind of bounced around to different churches all throughout all throughout my childhood and teen years just checking them all out really just wanted to see what was yeah, different um exactly so any, tell me i mean not that not that we that we serve a doctrine but i'm curious to hear about your background and and uh you know where you land on that yeah well uh, i'm a christian um you know uh, first and foremost and that matters to me uh and like you both growing up and even in my young adult life, I, I went bounced around. Um, we were raised in a missionary Baptist church, mm-hmm. so that's that's really my real grounding. But my folks, my dad, pastored at a Pentecostal church, at a um, at a Baptist a Baptist church, and we went to all different kinds of churches because a lot of it was a couple things. One we were open to community, mm-hmm. right? So even if it's just going to visit other churches because our family was there, other community was there, it was really about the fellowship. Uh, but two, particularly as I got older, I always wanted to be somewhere where the word of God was taught truthfully. Mm-hmm. I didn't care whether it was, and I've done uh, Methodist, I've done um I've been to Catholic churches. I, I want I want the the word of God to be taught truthfully, and as long as it's taught truthfully, then I'm okay. Yeah. And and I know that by my own Bible study and my own you know my personal 
my personal digging into the word. Great. So, you know, I'm asking some of these questions selfishly to help me in my own run here as I've now announced. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, Which is yeah. exciting, and congratulations to you, man. We, we need you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, because we get questions out sometimes, especially as Democrats, we get questions, you know, how can you be a Christian and, you know, not want to ban abortion yesterday? Yeah. Or how can you be yeah. a Christian and run as a Democrat, period, is kind of what I'm mm-hmm. running into because of the sort of the national climate, if you will. But, yeah. you know, I always try to give people an answer that's based off of how I feel almost legislatively um, and then an answer on how I feel spiritually. Yep. So handling that issue of separation of church and state and pro-choice right. and pro, I mean, how do you, how are you finding yourself navigating and then helping other people understand you as you're navigating that? Yeah, Derek, I love that you um, said that and framed it like that. And mm-hmm. in my, so I've been to all 75 counties and in my conversations and travels, um, you know, whether it's Rector uh, or or Huntsville um, or Pine Bluff or Dumas, um, what I try to do is say, hey, look, I want to be transparent in the things that inform my decisions, mm-hmm. so things like my faith and my values. I want to be transparent in my personal beliefs, just like you said. Mm-hmm. I might have a set set of personal beliefs. Yeah. In the in the public sector, though, I want to govern for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so, e- even even if you don't believe the same things I believe, you still deserve really good schools, bridges that are safe, yeah. and jobs that are close. Right. That that's what everyone deserves, regardless of what you personally believe. And to your point, you still deserve the right to make the choices that impact your life. Yeah. So that that's kind of how like we can we can we can agree or disagree on a personal level, but we should certainly agree that there are a set of rights that we should have that as governor I would want to protect. There you go. Okay. So it's really just that issue of well, I mean it is separation of church and state so that yeah. so that it doesn't one can quickly overpower the other, I guess, you know, but I like your answer there. Um, and if you don't mind, maybe I'll go a little bit further. Too, yeah. Um, because it's not only the church and the state, you know, there, there's a question of, and I love how the founding fathers set it up. Yeah. They protected us from what I would call the tyranny of the individual. Right. So, we didn't want a society they didn't want a society where one or two people could get together and if they had strong beliefs those beliefs could dominate everyone yeah now we can argue whether the that small set of people's strong beliefs is correct whether we agree with or not so on and so forth that you know, we can have that argument but mm-hmm. the real issue is if i have a set of beliefs and me and two or three other people is that enough to dominate everyone else. And in our society, no, we all have voice, and particularly in Arkansas, right? It's about the people rule. The people have voice, and that voice should be the one that sets the stage, not some individual's personal preferences or choices. Right. 
Well, I was looking over your um, I was looking over your website, and I'm familiar yeah. with your uh, PB and J campaign. <laughs> yeah, you like that? I do like that. It's I uh, I've spent a lot of time looking at that, you know, because I just thought. Well, it's just genius. It's very marketable. Obviously, it's easy to remember, and then, <laughs> and right off the bat, you know, it's just like three things: preschool, broadband, jobs. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, as I looked at your, as I was kind of looking over that, um, I wanted to kind of hone in on the job portion of it. Yeah. And, and the other thing I saw is that you're big on you're big on education across the board. You're really bullish on education at all levels. I can see that. I. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to hone in on the trade schools and technical schools because yeah. I saw that you isolated that as an issue and I think I think that's great. So so let's let's jump into jobs and trade schools and yeah. uh you know give me your thoughts on uh I mean how do you how do you see improving that? Yeah, you know, I uh, <laughs> I'm a I'm I'm a I'm an an engineer mm-hmm. and a tinkerer by nature. So I get excited when we think about trades and um and, and let me let me say like even in grad school at mit uh, it's a great engineering school and it has this big global brand but at the end of the day the people there uh they just like to fix things and make things with their hands and and to me that's trades mm-hmm. um, i was literally just yesterday at uh sea arc uh, southeast arkansas community college in pine bluff and I got to tour uh, their welding facility. I got to tour uh, their HVAC facility. Uh, I got to tour their electrical and their commercial trucking uh, training facility. And it was fascinating and it was amazing and it was exciting. And, and that's the sort of opportunity that we need in every region of the state. You know, mm-hmm. I envision each region, not the large congressional regions, you know, one could argue that we really need nine regions, mm-hmm. Northwest, North Central, Northeast, West, Central, East, Southwest, South Central, and, and Southeast. And in each of those nine regions, we should have all the resources that every resident of Arkansas in that region needs, including a really strong pathway to trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing I'll say is that when I ran the Arkansas Regional Innovation Hub, uh, which is an organization that provided tools and training for education and entrepreneurship, we started the Skills to Launch program, which is a program for 18 to 24 year olds to get for take 10 weeks and you get a certification on roofing, welding, HVAC, and carpentry. Oh wow, that's yeah, that's awesome. And we had a 95 percent uh, success rate in terms of job placements or opening your business. And it, it's just 10 weeks to get you started. That's yeah. why Skills to Launch, and then you can go on and do more <laughs> things. I think every, I think the entire state needs programs like that um, to help folks either enter new careers or start careers. Let me ask you if you have thoughts on this, because this is something I've been researching and kicking around, but looking at the the incarceration rate in Arkansas and the amount of individuals that we have currently, you know, in in a jail or in prison, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, one of the highest in the country, I believe, third highest. at least currently to yep. my most recent knowledge. We were first, actually. So we actually fell down we to first, third. Yeah. yeah, for like decades. <laughs> and then recently yeah. fell down a couple of spots. Um, but as we've seen... And I don't, I don't recent- think it's because we got slower. I think it's because other people got faster at incarcerating. 
Yeah, well, COVID certainly changed some things. There right. was only four states that saw an acceleration in arrest during COVID, and we were one of them. So we're definitely yeah. not uh, – if we are improving, it's um, at such a slow rate that we still are outgrowing our prisons. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here's what I'm getting at, or here's what I wanted to ask you about, is I've been looking at how both state to state and on a federal level, there were at times – educational programs that existed within the prison to provide pathways mm-hmm. and that has had you know funding come and go in different places over the years but with so many trade schools and technical schools having certifications that are under 24 months i'm really interested in in seeing or talking about how to create sort of a segue from prison to trade school while they're there so you got thoughts on that or is that something that you've oh man you're speaking my language now you're well, cool. Talk, Tell you're, me. Talk, you're talking about like, like um, so I, t- I mentioned the skills to launch program. Yeah. Well, right before I left, we were in conversation with the Department of Correction to do just that. Oh, great. Okay. So, to, so you know, there, there's a there's usually a transition period when folks are getting ready to reenter, mm-hmm. and that transition period often lasts about six months. So, our conversation with them is was let's enter that enter that process, um, do a 10-week training program in the span of that six months, and then, but also help them identify jobs that they can go right into. Because if you come out and you have a job, then you're less likely to go back in. Right. If you're less likely to go back in, that reduces the prison population so we don't have to spend $100 million on new prison bids. Right. We can instead put that into, you know, into Mountain Home Public School System so we can expand pre-K, so we can pay teachers more. Um, and that that was a program that I think was phenomenal. Uh, and they're still, they're, they're working on still doing it. You know, I left the Innovation Hub last year and COVID slowed things down. Yeah. Um, but it, to me, that's, the, that's what we want and need because folks that are coming out, they wanna be reintegrated into society and they need to be. They paid their time, they paid their debt to society. Mm-hmm. And so now, we should treat them like we treat every other citizen. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm, it'll save money, it'll reduce the prison population, and it puts folks to work. And when you put folks to work, that's going to increase our tax base. Right. Um, and particularly if you put them to work at home. Mm-hmm. And we need welders, we need roofers, we need carpenters, we need uh, coders. Right. It doesn't just have to be the hard trades, if you would. Right. But there's also coding that can be learned and gaming and um, and big data, and all, all these things that folks are very intelligent and they can learn these things. I, as governor, I certainly would uh, expand on programs like that because I think they work. I know they work. The research says they work uh, and, they're, and they can make a difference in people's lives. That's great. Well, I also have looked at, um, you know, obviously we got a drug problem in the state, yeah. which leads to a addiction problem in the state. And so yeah. it kind of seems like we're we're handling these addicts, if you will. I hate to call them that because it almost feels derogatory, but I mean, yeah. they're they're suffering from addiction. Um, right. I lost my mother to addiction, and I've had other family oh, members man, that have. To hear that. Yeah, some some people overcome it, and and some don't. And I've had family members actually on both sides of that. But um, it kind of seems like we handle addicts mm. the same the same way that we do low yeah. level prisoners, if you will. It's just. 
at the moment it's kind of a cold floor to detox on if your yeah. if your insurance is good enough and then you're just kind right. of turned loose i mean there are some exceptions where you can be court ordered to certain things but the availability and the opportunity for that is so low and when you go to those facilities you know they're not always the best cared for funded themselves right. which is n- right. not their fault you know, it's just part of the system but anyway but it doesn't help it doesn't help it the doesn't, individual it doesn't help and when you look at the amount of people that are suffering from addiction if you could take mm-hmm. 50 just 50 percent if you could take we'll go even if you could take 25 percent and get those people back into the workforce oh man wow so and look it's, it, 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 you don't only get them back into the workforce but you get them back into the family yeah right right so when if you if, you, if we work to help if we were better at addressing addiction um, and part of it, I believe, is treating each other as neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 treat inc- our incarcerated citizens, we treat um, citizens that are suffering from drug addiction as if they're some other person or other thing to be hidden in a closet. Let's let's not talk about that. Let's not pay. You know, we forget about them. We put them yeah. away, out of sight. And but if we treated them as neighbors. And we get and address the underlying and core issue that they're struggling with. Then again, to your point, not only can they get back in the workforce, but they can get back in the family. And when they get back in the family, that strengthens the family unit. And to me, that's the stabilization we need uh, throughout the state. So I'm 100% on board with that with you. So the the big argument there is, you know, between and um, I hate talking about party politics too much, but yeah, just. For the sake of conversation, you know, um, on and, and we could go talk to, uh, you know, people across the aisle and they want the same outcomes. It's just a more 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 often than not, they want the same outcomes. It's just a matter yeah. of, of uh, systems and processes and procedure. And most importantly, where's the money going to come from? Right, right. And so on their side, you know, they want to rely on private business to fund all these things and it. It kind of makes me feel like, well, we just got to wait until the Waltons take pity on us and want mm. to, you know, help us grow by building mountain bikes here. Or, yeah. you know, we get a bunch of our, our hospitals, a nonprofit hospital here, and it is phenomenal. Um, the amount mm-hmm. of words, what they're able to do, you know, but I just can't help but look at. And this is why I guess I'm running as a, a Democrat. And I guess you are, too, because when you look at those studies and those numbers, when you when you put we can even call them micro investments in the grand scheme of things. But when mm-hmm, you, when you mm-hmm. put those investments into the prison sales, into the attics, and then like you said, get that back in the tax base, you know, it's just like flipping real estate at that point. Why would it you, is. I don't it you is. know. It is. Yeah. It is. I think I'm talking for you. I'm not trying to. I no, just, no, uh, no. This, this is good, man. Um, yeah. You know, even to take it a step further, you know, PB and J is my, is our agenda. And so you think yeah. about preschool for every dollar invested in pre-K, you get about eight dollars back uh, in mm-hmm. economic activity. For every dollar invested, you get eight. So it's why wouldn't return. you invest? Yeah. And and now and you save money because if you go to pre-K, you're less likely to go to prison. And the same is true if you if you actually treat drug addiction, then you you don't need. And I'm gonna give you another quick example in a second. Yeah. If you treat drug addiction, you don't then need to pay for the emergency room visits that they make. Mm-hmm. You don't then need to pay for them being institutionalized. You don't then need to pay for them being in prison. 
um, for being picked up on the street in the middle of the night. So the, these are all things that we save money on um, in the in in the short and the long run. And in, and in fact, you know, if you if you follow the trends in the second half of the month, like the last ten days of the month, um, when folks run out of money that they have uh, that are typically receiving assistance, um, then and they can't stay in the hotel room because folks are generally paying for nightly rates at the hotel, they end up in the emergency room. Mm-hmm. And my wife's an ER doc. And they end up in the emergency room or the hospital and they try to stay. And that and that costs money. As opposed to backing up and saying, well, we know this is a recurring problem. So why don't we work with certain populations and work with hotels, build tiny homes, and create spaces where folks can come and receive the services that they need, and then they can become healthy, functional members of society. Let's do that. The, the private sector certainly has a role. Yes, of course. The yeah. government has a role also. Mm-hmm. And the nonprofit sector has a role. And, and, and for far too long, we've assumed that we can do this without the government. Yeah. Right? That, that's the argument. The argument is we don't need the government to do anything. Right. Well, no, we we need we don't need the government to do everything, but we do need the government to do some things. The private sector should not be doing these sort of long term investments that we're talking about. Yeah, the private sector should not be doing that. We should work together with them, though. So anyway, let me let me let me let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> well, I'm with you, you know, because I mean, the and here's the thing to their to speak to their point when it works, it's awesome. And of course, we would say the same thing about government policy when it works. Yeah. It's great. When it don't work, it's bad. It's but bad. sometimes when you turn things over to private, it works great. And sometimes yeah. it crashes miserably. And so it's more of, I, I like to tell people to try to be like the Bruce Lee of legislative policy. Like Bruce Lee refused one fighting style. He took the best that he could find from every style and put it together yeah. into his own thing. And it's like, That's okay, it. you know, there's a place for this, a place for that, a place for nonprofit. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think I think you're spot on, and the more we do that, the more we're able to actually address and solve the problems that we face. So, yeah. Well, and you were talking, you know, I've actually been working on a on an article about this because I've been looking at the cost of uncompensated care, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of the direction you were headed down, where they they inevitably end up in an ER because, and at that point, yeah. we also have to realize, you know, and I'm sure your wife um, would would be far more of a prolific speaker on this than me, but if you're an addict and you're coming down, that means you feel like you're dying yeah, and or yeah. that you're going to die. And so if you show yeah. up at the ER in that moment, it's because you want to live Yeah, because, because you yeah. are overcoming your mind saying that you're dying. That's what withdrawal really is on that level. Mm-hmm. And so the fact mm-hmm. that they, the fact that they're showing up shows that they want to live. I mean, yeah. it's hard to take, those next steps, but you can't take a step when there's no step. So, right, right. So you know. let, let's let's support each other. And, and look, it, our faith tells us that we cannot do this alone. Hmm. And not only can we not do it alone, but we're we're required. If I look at the life of Jesus, and you know, we're, this is Holy Week, right? So we're 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 celebrating the sacrifice He made for us for us as individuals and for us as a collective. And if I look at his words, 
he said focus on the the widows and the children and the poor mm-hmm. so so he tells us to focus on um on those that are most disaffected the homeless and drug addicted individuals are our, our drug addicted neighbors mm-hmm. so, so so if you want to go back and say well all right well some folks don't want to separate church and state okay fine well if you don't then at least adhere to the faith right yeah you know at, at, at least at, at least follow the teachings of jesus christ who said i need to go and help the homeless the i least. need to go and help the drug addicted and 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 actually not only help them like like our samaritan brother mm-hmm but actually change the road and change the systems so that our neighbor doesn't end up in that situation again. Right. Well, and so, you know, that's a beautiful spiritual-based answer. And then back on back on whatever, a logical-based answer, when you when you look at the spreadsheet, that's what I, I love it when faith and spreadsheets come together because that doesn't always happen, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's like, all right, my faith tells me to do this, and the spreadsheet says it's possible because uncompensated yeah. care, the opportunity cost, is what they never talk about when they don't talk about investment. So there it is, there it is. Yeah. you nailed it. Um, you nailed it. Well, I want to ask you. I'll throw you a tough question because I'm getting blasted with this um, online and on the trail. But let's talk yeah. about uh, uh, critical race theory a little bit, if you want to. It's, yeah, sure. It's interesting because it's not a new thing at all, but to so many, it is a it is a brand new thing. Yeah. And so, I think uh, I even see politicians that are in my district campaigning against it without ever once defining it. And so, I think yeah. right there is a major issue: is we don't have a clear definition of it, Mm-mm. and we Mm-mm. don't have a uh, probably I would say an honest review of what's actually being proposed with it which to my knowledge yeah. is nothing but anyway right right, right. Uh, but chris tell me i mean you know when you're getting this question about critical race theory how are you addressing that i mean i think i think you nailed it Derek. And, you know number one um the question is what do what do people mean by critical race theory and and having folks kind of define it because mm-hmm. because if they define it in a way, and, it, and, it, and they truly define something that's as scary as some of our politicians want to have us believe, then I, I'm against it too. Yeah. Right. Like. Right. But 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 when you define what it is, and then where is it actually being implemented? Mm-hmm. And those those are the first two questions. But you know, here's the deal. Um, I'm I'm a my mom my mom's a lifelong educator. I taught high school for a year. And in that year, that was the hardest year of my life and the most rewarding year of my life. Because just trying to keep up with the curriculum was hard enough in school. And I and I know educators are working and struggling trying to meet the needs of the students that are in front of them. And I say we have to trust our parents, our families, and our educators. And And together at the local level, they're making decisions about what's best for the students. And, and the, the, the minute we try to say <clears throat> that you should not teach this or you should teach this, that's when we start to get into trouble. Now, don't get me wrong. 
all kids should learn coding. All, all, all kids should learn some science and math and art. All kids should learn civics and history. How you play that out on the on a school by school basis, you know how, for example, um, your school. You you said you talked about going to private school and public school. How those individual schools play it out should be dependent upon the students that they have in front of them. It should always be based in fact and truth. Mm-hmm. And so that that's my argument that you know do we disagree that we should teach truth and fact? If the answer is that we agree that we should teach truth and fact, then why don't we empower local communities and local families and local uh, teachers to, to, to so- certainly teach what they know is important. So, so let me ask you this then, yeah, um, as far as, as far as making decisions based on curriculum and in this regards, number one fact, right? Yeah. Past that though, are, are you saying like, are, do you advocate for local control? Cause I hear you saying local teacher, local, I mean, you're saying it's a decision best made by the, by the school board, you know, through yeah, that so process. I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in there, there is some tension here, right? Cause you yeah. need to, you know, you know, and, and that, that tension is embedded in our country, the tension between the States and, and the, and the, and the federal, mm-hmm. and that, that's, that's a tension that we have to be comfortable with that tension. And there's a line that you have to like, you know, dance. But uh, I'm a firm believer in that the people closest to the impact of decisions should be at the decision-making table when decisions are made. Yeah. Period. And far too often, Mountain Home doesn't have a representative in Little Rock, Mm -hmm. a real representative speaking for them. You know, Lake Village doesn't have a representative in Little Rock when the decisions are made. Now they have they have an elected official, but yeah. when the decisions are made, is that voice really being brought forth? So the more we can say, all right, you all, you're going to be impacted by this decision. You need to be at the table when decisions are made in some way. The better mm-hmm. we are. Again, let me let me be clear though. There are there are overarching values that we have to maintain like things like fairness um, like treating like we're all created equally and we all uh, have have we all should have all the rights some we shouldn't have some people with some rights and some people with other other rights those things we have to make sure are are fair yeah if that's the case then we can also have decisions made at the local level. So I do believe in that. Does it, does it concern you to see other states out there making legislation to ban CRT? Yes. Cause it's not yes. local control at that point, I guess. It, so, well, yeah. it's, it's not. And, 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 and really look, we, we're facing climate change, climate chaos. Um, and we're, we're missing opportunities to solve problems that we face now, we we have bridges that are collapsing. You know, we have the threat of wars. Mm. Um, the one of the reasons it concerns me that states are passing legislation like that is because they're actual real problems that people face. Like a woman died yesterday because a tree fell on her house from the tornado. Mm-hmm. We 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 have one in four kids go to bed hungry. 
in Arkansas. Yeah. So what, until we address one in four kids going to bed hungry, why are we spending energy and effort on what is taught in the classroom until we can, and here's another thing I'll say, in my hometown of Pine Bluff, 90% of the kids, so almost an entire football team, nine out of, nine out of, out of 11 on the football team, cannot read at grade level. Wow. And, and across the state, it's about six and 10 kids can't read at grade level. Some places it may be lowered like three and 10. So here's my thing. If you can't read at grade level and you're a fifth grader, and the teacher asks you to read something, what are you going to do? You're going to act out because you don't want to mm-hmm. be embarrassed. When you act out, you're going to get sent to the principal's office. And then you keep acting out, you're going to get sent to juvenile detention. That's what's fill, filling up our schools. So how about we focus on making sure every child in Arkansas can read by third grade? Mm-hmm. Let's do that. And if we once we get every child reading at grade level and reading by third grade, then you can have the argument about CRT and the like. But we're not yeah. even reading at grade level. So that's interesting. I've never thought about it that way. But how are you going to teach a third grader CRT when they can't read in fifth grade? Thank you. So, okay. Let me let me bring our, our faith and our science together yeah. again. Um, the, the way we get, the way we solve problems and do better experiments and do better research is about understanding what research has come before. Mm-hmm. Understanding what has worked in the past, what hasn't worked in the past. You know, Einstein was able to develop the things he was able to develop because he he studied and he mm-hmm. looked back and he thought and he understood history. Uh, the same with our Christianity. The, the What we're told in the Bible is to study to show thyself approved. You know, a workman who can rightly divide the word of truth. So I can't rightly divide the word of truth if I'm not studying. Mm-hmm. And that same thing applies to history. Like we have to rightly divide the true history in order to be able to stand firm and then speak to what should be in this world. You know, you had mentioned it's frustrating to see, you know, legislation against proposed threats that are non-existent when we could be focusing on hungry kids and big, mm-hmm. bigger pieces of not, not legislation in sense of big government, but just tackling bigger issues like the addiction yeah. issue. To, and, you know, Chris, I'm going to pick on Democrats for a second, but one of the reasons that yeah. I have, have gotten involved is because I think on a national level, both sides have fallen to pandering, if you will, to trying to get these little political points for small pieces of legislation. I will say I think there's some things, um, you know, that are just not being voted on that could be voted on, and that's unfortunate. We yep, can't do anything yep. about that other than hope and pray that they'll bring it to a vote. But, you know, that being said, I'm going to go back to your website because I, I do feel like you've done a great job at navigating around the, the core things, the education, infrastructure, economy, health care, values. And when I go to you and I, I thought that I was going to have the website with the most words on it for a candidate. I was trying to to have the most words as like a badge of a Roosevelt-esque badge of honor, if you yeah, will. Yeah. Uh, you may beat me. <laughs> but I was like, this is great. I mean, in such a good way, because, you know, if you go to if you go to some other people's websites that are candidates, yeah. it's like a bumper sticker. 
That's it. It's Bob Stuker. That's yeah. it. So, so that's great because you provide a lot of different things, which leads to a lot of different questions, which leads to a lot of different conversations, which is what what we want. Mm-hmm. But on your on your uh, promises page, those headers: education, infrastructure, economy, healthcare, and values. Because I want to know, you know, going into the into the final rounds of your campaign, when we get there, what is the most important thing for you? If you have one issue, uh, you know, that's kind of like the thing that's most dear to your heart, where do you find that being? Um, from a well, I mean, I'm gonna try to answer it from a couple of different perspectives. Right. Um, you know, my. Because it's hard to answer that. I would, you know, clearly PB and J is yeah, the yeah. thing, right? Um, but if there was only one thing I could do as, as governor, um, it would be to create inclusive tables where folks' voice is heard and valued. Because I, I think when you do that, we we have the intelligence and the innovativeness and the, and the creativity to solve the problems. The issue is that we aren't coming to the table together in a in a in a very in a in a neighborly and inclusive fashion, mm-hmm. and we don't have the structure to kind of battle out the ideas without battling out the individual. And I want to create tables where we battle the ideas, not the individual. Yeah. If if I could do that, um, then to me that would be success because we can solve the problems together. Whatever we decide are the most important problems to be solved. Uh, right now, we have a small group of people that are making decisions for everyone else, mm-hmm. and occasionally they they bring you know one or more of us in and they say, "Hey, we want to hear from you, but do you really want to hear from me?" You know, do, yeah. are you really listening to the folks in Baxter County? Well, it's kind of hard for you to listen if you hadn't been up there. It's kind of hard for you to listen if you aren't, you know, creating space for these conversations. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if I can create tables that where we're battling the ideas and not battling the individuals and where we're lifting up voice uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a real, authentic, neighborly, equitable, and engaging fashion, then I, w- I think that would be success. I realize it was a loaded question from the start. That's why I wanted to see Reed land because it's impossible, I know, I know. you know. <laughs> so, so I apologize for setting you up on no, that. It's all but, good. It's all good. Well, and you know, when when you're going as multifaceted as you're going, you can't do one thing. Like it all has to kind of click together. You need several yeah. different things to line up in order for the whole plan to work. So, yeah, was putting you on the spot there more more for fun but i did like your answer because um that's kind of that's kind of how i feel in the sense of yeah. until you can get uh people together then the conversation doesn't happen so it's kind of step one happen. you know yeah. it doesn't happen so you know everything it, it, it doesn't happen <laughs> and um we're, we're gonna have to make sure i um i get a time back on your show yeah uh, yeah because this, this is great i'm loving it well, let's take over the primary and get that out of the way, and then we'll get you there back you after that. There you go. Let's so that. that we can see what's next. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a never-ending things we could talk about. I've already had you here for 45 minutes. I know you probably got a busy busy day, but next time, yeah, you know, we'll, I'd we'll, like – I'll get back on, though. Yeah. Next time, um, 
things I didn't get to, you know, I'd like to talk about the voters' rights stuff. And yes. we got, I got some people that are complaining about the signature verification, yep. things like that. Since uh, you're not being, not being able to bring your kids into the voting booth. Yeah. Which is crazy. So is that? Because I've always. Sorry. Are those things being no, implemented in Arkansas already? Like, is that no, already a. Well, okay. That's it, it, it's supposed to be implemented now. Um, it, it, my understanding is that. It'll be for the generals, not the primary. No, that's even worse. But yeah, right. <laughs> that's the problem with the signature thing. So I'll give you a, a before I let you go. We could just hang on yeah. this for a second. But my my mom was a hippie, and she gave me four names, and it's Kyle, Derek, Douglas, Huber. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I have been called Derek from the day I was twelve years old because I went to a new. I went. That's when I switched to public school when I was twelve. Yeah. First class I went to, there was three kids named Kyle, and I've been Derek ever since. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, there you go. So I mess up stuff all the time. I sign it Kyle. I sign it Derek. I sign it Kyle Derek. And so now I'm like, man, I know I don't want my vote to get thrown out over right over a signature thing. Whenever they have my ID like that, I was right. I could have lived with that, you know. Um, yeah. But man, we're just yeah, it's going too they're far. Trying to, it's restrictive, man, and it's for a reason. You know, we're like we're like you said, we can dig into it yeah. uh, more deeply. But it is for a reason, and that's what we have to address, man. Right. Well, Chris, I'm going to close out here. Um, I yeah. do want to give people an opportunity to learn more about you on their own. Uh, your website, ChrisForGovernor.com, I know is a great start. Yeah. Um, do you have any other places you like to point people to? Yeah, social media, all of it's Jones for AR, Jones, okay. F-O-R-A-R. Um, and, you know, I, we try to be engaging on social media. I, I try I try to respond to people who uh, ask questions uh, and whatnot. I can't always keep up with it, but um, but, but try to do our best. So uh, please, please interact with us at the website or on social media. Great. If you go to Chris's website, I'm noticing at the bottom they got quick links off to everything. Yeah. Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Medium. Uh, he's a little bit <laughs> everywhere, it looks like, so that's great. Yeah. So, all right, Chris, don't uh, uh-huh. click out of the window yet, but I'm going to end this call, and we'll just stop the recorded session right here with me thanking you for coming on. Thank you, buddy.